Before coming to my principal topic, I want to say a few words, brief words on the manuscript that's the subject of this conference. The name by which it is now known, the Book of Iwana, dates to the year 1820, which was when it was first used by the Dublin scholar and scribe Edward O'Reilly. His chronological account of nearly 400 Irish writers, as it was titled, published in that year, 1820, declared, it may very properly be called the Book of, well, he wrote it, H.Y. Mania, or the Book of the O'Kellys while other 19th century authors rendered the name in anglicised orthography as the Book of Hymani, which led, I think, Miles Nogopolian to call it uh, the Book of Haumani. Um, there are a few other uh, equally bad puns that could be brought in, but I won't. I'll leave them for now. Now, Iwanya, as many of you know, was an ancient Connacht population group that later became a territorial name covering much of East Galway, part of South Roscommon, and even at one time part of Northeast Clare. But by the 17th century, that territory had contracted considerably. According to the traditional genealogies, the Iwanya were supposedly an offshoot of the Argyla of Mid-Ulster, uh, and their ruling family, of course, bore the surname O'Cally. An earlier designation of our manuscript was Laur Ihuagain, the Book of Oduagain, named from a Gaelic learned family based in the territory of Iwana. I first became aware of this title some 40 years ago while working on my edition of Dualtoch Makirvishi's Book of Genealogies. Among the sources cited by Dualtoch, many of them unidentifiable, one that cropped up quite frequently was Laur Ihuagain. And eventually it became clear that this was none other than the Book of Iwana. I can't claim to have been the first to reach that conclusion. It had already been suggested, often in passing and with some inaccuracy, by Inter Alios uh, Kuno Meyer in 1904, J.F. Kenny in 1929, Colm O'Loughlin in 1943, and others including Francis John Byrne, James Carney and David Dumble in the 1960s and 70s. Kenny declared that, quote, Yaur Umoine, uh, I seek after both of the second and third of those words, uh, the book of the O'Kellys was, was written between 1360 and 1427. The older part is said to have been written by Sean Moore O'Duagoin, while O'Loughlin said that the manuscript was, quote, sometimes called the book of O'Duagoin, as its compilation is generally attributed to Sean Moore O'Duagoin who died in 1372. Well, as we'll see, that's not quite accurate. Now, in my own study of the subject, I discovered that Laur Ihuagain is cited not only in the Book of Genealogies, but also, also in three other 17th century works in Latin, two by the Galway historian John Lynch and one by a younger Galway scholar, Rudy O'Flaherty, or Roderick O'Flaherty. Moreover, these three Latin works often cited the precise folios in Laur Ihuagain. An article I published in a journal called the Minute Review in 1983 included an account of the Book of Iwana, and this was further developed as an article in Aixia in 1989, in which I analysed the various references, 52 in all, uh, to Lauri Huogain or Liber Oduvigani in those four works by Makirvishi, uh, Lynch and O'Flaherty. My studies corroborated the suggestions of the scholars I have mentioned from Meyer to Dumble that the Book of Oduogain was indeed to be identified with the Book of Iwana, although I recall being rather surprised that this had not been adverted to at all in either in R.A.S. McAllister's introduction to the facsimile edition of the manuscript 
or Kathleen Mulcrone's account of Iwana in the catalogue of uh, Irish manuscripts in the RIA, both of which uh, appeared in 1942. Now, it should be noted that the Book of Iwana, as we have it today, um, is but a remnant of the manuscript as it was in the 16th and early 17th centuries. Around the year 1500, as we learn from a note naming Wilmwida O'Higgin as its owner, the manuscript had 368 folios, of which sadly more than 200 are now lost. Uh, of the surviving 161 folios, 157 are here in the RIA as manuscript D21 and four more form part of uh, British Library Irish manuscript Edgerton 90. In preparing uh, my 1989 study of the Book of Iwana, which detailed the citations that occur, as I have mentioned, in four 17th century works, I found that about a quarter of the folios referred to in those four books are now missing from the manuscript. Details of those missing folios are valuable as they give us some idea of certain contents of the book that are now lost and in some instances at least permit us to restore some, at least some, of the lost text. While preparing that article, which was for a volume of Aigse dedicated to that journal's former editor, Tomaso Concanon, I was contacted in late 1987 by William O'Sullivan, former keeper of manuscripts in Trinity College. As I recall, he was looking for information on some aspect of the O'Kellys of Tonalig in South Roscommon, who, as you will hear in the next lecture, possessed the book of Iwana in the 18th century. When Billy and I discovered that we were both working on studies of the same manuscript, we decided to cooperate. So we exchanged drafts of our two contributions. That's probably cheating in a way. Uh, these that were intended to honor our mutual friend, Tomaso Concanon. Now, the great achievement of O'Sullivan's article was to identify as many as 10 different scribes whose hands were to be seen in the surviving folios of the manuscript. This compared with just two scribes identified by Mulcrone in her account in the RIA catalogue, while McAllister had suggested six in his introduction to the Iwana facsimile. O'Sullivan's ten uh, comprised Mulcrone's two plus G1 and G2, so named because they penned the genealogies in the book, and what he called D1 to D6, those who penned the Ginhanachus and other things. He also identified two others who were active in the 16th century, one unnamed and the other called William McEagain. Now the two scribes to, whose work, to whom the work was ascribed by Mulcrone were the only ones whose names are known to us, Fuelan Macangaun Nishkeel and Av Kushin. And I'll now look briefly at what little we know about this pair. Of the two, slightly more is known of Fuelan Macangaun. His family name, now generally anglicised Smith, is well represented in counties Galway, Westmead, Tipperary and Cork, although not nearly as numerous as in several Ulster counties. We don't know if this southern and, and or midlands family is to be distinguished from the one named Machangown, later generally rendered McGowan, uh, in the northeast and northwest of Ireland, where, especially in Cavan and neighbouring counties, the name is anglicised variously as Smith and McGowan. John O'Donovan tells us in a footnote in his edition of the Annals of the Four Masters that, quote, the family of Machangown, now generally anglicised McGowan, and sometimes translated Smith, were hereditary historians to the O'Kennedys of Ormond. And he gives us his source a statement by Dualt of Machirvishi in his great book of genealogies, 
on page six, paragraph one of that work, or paragraph one of my edition, the Walter states, Makangaun Agshil Gineji in Oruan. In other words, Makangaun uh, was with the Okineji family in Ormond, roughly north of Ferreri. Now, this is corroborated by a note in TCD manuscript 1316 or H250 in A that indicates that a learned family named Makangaun was indeed located in Ormond. Abbott and Gwynne's catalogue of Irish manuscripts in TCD mentions that the note in question says that the text on this page was, quote, written in the winter in which Donoghue O'Kennedy assumed the Archbishopric of Cashel. And the note is stated to have been written, again, quote, in the house of Cian Machangaun in Ormond. Now, the Donoghue O'Kennedy in question was Donatus alias Donald, or maybe the other way around, Donald Elias Donatus Okineje, Bishop of Killaloo, 1231 to about 1252, who, although nominated Archbishop by the Chapter of Cashel, was never actually appointed to the office, because in 1237, the King, Henry III, withheld his consent. Nothing more is known of that mid-13th century individual, Cian Machangaun, and the family doesn't feature again in the annals for over a century more. Then, in 1364, the four masters end that year's entry with obits of three people of some significance, namely Gilanaive MacGonishgale C. Shanchade, a term O'Donovan translates as learned historian, together with Jermaj Oshkingian, Olive of Chirconnell in history, and Margaret, daughter of Walter Burke and wife of Phelim O'Connor, King of Connacht. The next bearer of the surname to be recorded in the annals is Fuilan Macangaun, whose death is noted by the Four Masters at the year 1423, where he too is described as C. Shanachada. Although the epithet Nishkeil of the stories is not appended to the name, it seems safe to identify him with the Book of Iwanya scribe. Incidentally, we may note that William, in William O'Sullivan's judgment, Fuilan wrote, he says, the finest and most calligraphical hand with elaborate and well-executed initials in the volume. On the other hand, he considered him to be responsible for just a single gathering or section of the Book of Iwanya, folios 104 to 112. In addition, Fuilan was the author of a poem of 57 quatrains beginning Olive or Nahir Ille. Strangely, though, this was transcribed into the manuscript not by him, but by his fellow scribe of Cushin, just before, and it, it's just before the gathering uh, which O'Sullivan ascribes to him. So why he didn't write it himself is not at all clear. Now, the fourth bearer of the surname recorded by the Four Masters is described in his obituary in 1425, that is two years after Fuilan Macagown's death, as Macagown Nishkeil, uh, given in translation, chief historian of O'Loughlin of Kirkham Row. Tomás, son of Gillen and Eve, Macangown. And then the fifth and final individual of the name mentioned in those same annals was Cian, son of Gilla Eliva, Macangown, described again as C. Shanchada, and a man who kept a house of general hospitality. His death in 1426 was caused, we are told, by the kick of a horse. One wonders what relations those five of Clanangown and Scale may have been to one another, but it's unlikely that we'll ever know. Now, moving on to Av Kushin, there appears to be no mention whatever of him outside of the Book of Iwana. His, general, his surname, now generally anglicised Cushin or Cushing, 
indicates Norman origin. The Annals of Connacht tell of a certain David, son of Ricard Cushion, who in the, middle, in the mid-13th century had a castle and lands in the vicinity of Balhadrine on the Mayo-Roscommon border. In 1256, he is said to have craftily and basely killed his own godson, Rudy O'Gaire, king of Slievlua. But later that year, retribution came when A, son of Phelim O'Crohor, plundered the territory of Mac Ricard Cushine to avenge the slaying of O'Gaire. O'Crohor, we are told, broke down his castles, killing all the inmates, and took uh, possession of the whole of Loch Gara. Cushin, however, was not among the slain, for the annals tell us that when 14 years later, in 1270, the Earl of Ulster, Walter Burke, and the Gael, or foreigners of Connacht, attacked the folk of A. O'Crohor, the most notable casualty was one David Cushin, who was killed in the encounter. Now, the annals of Ulster at the year 12, uh, 1462 tell of one Tomás the best master of laws in his time, who was based in Armagh and had a great school in this year. While there's no indication of what relation, if any, these two, David uh, in the 13th century and Tomás in the 15th, may have been to our of, uh, William O'Sullivan made the intriguing suggestion that the death of David at the hand of O'Crohor in 1270 may have caused others of the family to join the learned families. O'Sullivan incidentally describes Ov's hand, which occurs on no fewer than 99 of the 161 surviving leaves, as a large hand lacking in elegance with very mediocre initials. This may suggest, however tentatively, that members of the Cushian family were indeed relative newcomers in the field of Irish learning. Not sure if that's a, uh, a fair um, inference, but anyway. Next to merit our consideration in the story of the Book of Iwana is the man who appears to have been patron to the compilers, Murtuch O'Cali, Bishop of Clonfert and later Archbishop of Tuam. Unlike the two scribes I've just mentioned, Murtuch, not surprisingly given his status, is far from obscure. A son of Pilib, son of Mania O'Cali, he served as Bishop of Clonfert from 1378 to January 1393. Uh, when he was elected Archbishop of Tuam, a post he held until his death in 1407. Details of his ancestry are given in two interesting Ocali genealogical tracts that are preserved in the Book of Iwana, and which I edited some years ago. I'll mention them again later. It appears the scribes were at work on the Book of Iwana for some time before Murtagh was appointed to Tuam. In early 30, uh, that was in early 1393, or possibly early 1394, there's a little bit of doubt there, and that the writing continued for some time after that date. In a colophon on folio 111 verso, uh, that is the uh, the old foliation, Fuelan Macagown Scale says that he wrote, quote, this quaternion for his lord, friend, and companion, that is Bishop O'Cali, that is Murtagh. It would appear that eight of the ten scribes had completed their work prior to that important date, 1393 or 4. The two who, according to O'Sullivan, were still active after that date were of Cushin and an anonymous individual who was termed D6. As has already been mentioned, Cushin was the most prolific of the scribes, with his work, as I said, found on 99 of the manuscript sleeves. Another colophon by Fuelan Macangown on folio 170 verso was written 
as he says, the very day that Murtagh was elected by the clerics of Connacht to be Archbishop of Tuim Ghaagolan. That's Tuim. In the aforementioned O'Kelly genealogies in the manuscript, Murtagh is referred to as Archbishop of Tuim and Archbishop of Connacht, thus proving that those parts of the manuscript post-date 1393 or 4. Elsewhere, in the first of the two texts uh, on folio 39 uh, recto in column A, the following statement occurs, and I'll give it to you in, in um, translation. It's on T, 10D on your handout if you want to look at the original. Murchtoch, who was Bishop of Clunfarth of Bremen, that's Clonfert, was unanimously elected to the Archbishopric of Tuam, and he went to Rome and graciously received it from Pope Boniface. And he came with it safely to Tuam, and at the time of writing this, he is Archbishop there. And he had a family before going, uh, before becoming Archbishop, and these are their names, Tomás and Mwilachlan, Donal and Crohor, and Orla, the wife of Donaha O'Cally, and Roche, the wife of Colla O'Madagán, and Banwon, the wife of Iliog Bork, and Anya and Katrina. So he had a good large family. Now, of some interest here is the matter-of-fact reference in that passage to an instance of intermarriage between the daughter of a Gaelic archbishop and one of the leading Norman lords of Connacht, uh, one of the, uh, the Burks, uh, Ulic uh, Burke. It's also worth noting how Myrthach, having been appointed to Tuam after a vote by the clergy of the archdiocese, proceeded to Rome to receive bulls of appointment from the reigning pope, Boniface IX. Now, He's an interesting individual. He was the Roman Pope at the time. This was in the middle of the great schism of 1378 to 1417 that had split the Western Church. At first, France, Scotland and much of Ireland had supported the anti-Pope Clement VII, based at Avignon, um, while Germany, England and much of Italy supported the Roman Pontiff. But by the time Wirtuch went to Rome, some of the former support for the anti-Pope, especially in Ireland, had begun to drift back to the Roman side. And this was exemplified by Wirtuch's decision to go to Rome rather than to Avignon. It may be noted that a recent predecessor of Wirtuch, one Gregor O'Mochain, the second of that name to be Archbishop, had been named as Archbishop of Tuam some eight years earlier, in 1385, by the Avignon Pope, Clement VII, but had been deprived two years later by the Roman Pope Urban VI and replaced by a certain William O'Cormacoin. Six years later, in 1393, Archbishop O'Cormacoin was transferred from Tuam to Clonfert, demoted in other words, uh, to replace Murtagh O'Cally, who was being moved from Clonfert to Tuam, kind of a direct swap, but one was getting promotion and the other was being demoted. Then five years later, in 1398, poor William O'Cormacoin was further demoted, being deprived of the see of Clonfert, and he's never heard of again. He was replaced by one Henry O'Conway. Then seven years later again, the latter was moved on to Kilmacdoch uh, in 1405 to make way for none other than Tomás O'Cally, eldest son of Murtagh, who had just been named Bishop of Clonfert. Tomás, a Dominican priest, held Clonfert from 1405 to 1438, when, like his father before him, he was appointed Archbishop of Tuam. But for some reason, he never actually took possession of the see, and he died three years later. Pope Boniface, I think, merits a very brief mention. Elected by a conclave of just 14 Roman cardinals at the age of 39, in 1389, he reigned for 15 years. 
though considered to be poorly educated, he had considerable diplomatic skills, but became notorious for his nepotism and financial unscrupulousness. His methods of raising money were deemed by one historian to be scandalous even by the standards of the day. Which was saying something, I suppose. One other detail in relation to Archbishop Murtagh deserves to be recalled. Edmund Curtis, in his History of Medieval Ireland, uh, the 2nd edition, 1938, states that O'Calley played a significant role during the first of Richard II's two ill-fated visits to Ireland in the 1390s. In Curtis's words, the Irish, under their natural leader, Neil Moore O'Neill, uh, and induced by Archbishop Colton of Armagh, Morris O'Kelly, as he calls him, Archbishop of Toome, and the Earls of Ormond and Desmond, submitted and did homage to the king. And William O'Sullivan adds that in 1394, Mwirthuch spent Christmas with the king in Dublin, and on his return home, he persuaded the Lord of Iwana, that is, O'Kelly, to write his submission, which Richard then exhibited in the Dominican house in Drogheda on the 21st of March, 1395. Now, um, and we could go on, on more of that. It's a, it's a fascinating period. But anyway, to move on a, a little, the, the 17th century Galway scholar, Dr. John Lynch, whom I've referred to already, uh, referring to Liber Oduvigani, as he calls it, mentions a certain Oduviganus who died in 1440, Oduviganus sub, sub annum mille quadringenti quadringenta mortuus. In other words, he had died in the year 1440. Uh, he apparently a direct echo, this was apparently a direct echo of the obituary notice by the four masters of Oduagain Shanachi, Sean McCormack. There's no indication of what relation, if any, this Sean son of Cormac may have been to the noted Iwana poet and scholar Sean Moore Oduagain, who died at Rindown. County Roscommon in 1372. You may recall that early in this talk I mentioned that various scholars, beginning with Meyer, uh, have attributed the compilation of the Book of Iwana to this Sean Moore, albeit for reasons that they failed to explain. This view receives little support nowadays. For one thing, it would imply that rather, than, rather improbably, work on the book had begun prior to 1465, the year Sean Moore entered religious life at Rindoon in East Roscommon. The Sean son of Cormac mentioned by Lynch could conceivably have been a grandson of Sean Moore. We should remember that Lynch is likely to have had the benefit of information unavailable to us today when he stated that the Book of Iwana's former designation, Lyaur Iguagain, was derived from that Sean son of Cormac Oduagain. The same individual may well be the Ioannis Oduviganus Prestantissimus Antiquarius, who according to Lynch in his De Prasulibus Hiberniae, and, uh, history of the Irish bishops, wrote the manuscript more than 200 years before this, before the time of uh, Lynch's writing. That is, around the mid-15th century. One wonders if Sean, son of Cormac O'Duagain, may also have been one of the eight unnamed scribes listed by O'Sullivan. Now, were this the case, Sean would have been working on the book almost half a century before his death, which, as we saw, occurred in 1440 presumably at a time when he was still quite a young man. But this is not beyond the bounds of possibility. Another example of an apparently precocious Irish scribe from that era is Manus O'Deganain, principal compiler of the Book of Ballymote, who it seems may have been no more than about 18 years of age when he oversaw much of the work on that great manuscript. In the volume of the Four Masters, now in Trinity College, TCD 1301, a note, a note 
penned by Ruri O'Flaherty, records the death of one Manus, Magnus Filius Ioannis Odovagan in Signus Antiquarius. Again, uh, I presume that's C. Champhaber. Um, that note, inserted at the year 1395, is taken from a source referred to as Macfurb, which may well be a work now lost that the Walt of Macirvishi calls Yaur Erishin Bikirvishi, the history book of Macirvishi. Dualtoch ascribes that work to Gile Isamor Makirvishi, compiler of the Great Book of Lekin and part of the Yellow Book of Lekin, both works roughly contemporary with the Book of Iwanya. It's noteworthy that Manus's death is said to have occurred in 1395, a date that coincides quite closely with the probable com completion date of the Book of Iwanya. The suggestion then is that Sean Moro Duogoin may have had at least two sons, Cormac and Manus, the latter dying in 1395, and the former son, another Sean, dying in 1440, having given his name to the great manuscript. An alternative suggestion as to why the manuscript was dubbed the Book of Oduogoin might be that the book, in its fuller state, may have contained several compositions of Sean Moore's other than the four it now features, and that this was what gave rise to its being uh, designated. Uh, so designated. In all, some 17 poems, a few of them quite lengthy, are ascribed to Sean uh, Moro Dogoin. The most famous, of course, is the uh, Trilam Chimple Nafola topographical poem. Although some of the ascriptions are uncertain or disputed, most of the poems are preserved in, in multiple copies, but half a dozen survive as single copies, one of which is in the Book of Iwana alone. There's another bearer of the name Oduogain whose role merits some consideration, one Comclona Oduogain, said by the four masters to have been killed by the King of England's folk in Dublin in 1394, that is, Richard II's, uh, again we saw that Richard was in Dublin at that period. A more detailed entry in the miscellaneous Irish annals reads in translation, Oduogain, that is Comclona, olive of history, eloquence and poetry, was put to death by stuttering Gauls while in captivity. Wonderfully intriguing entry. Now, I find this entry intriguing for various reasons. For one thing, Comcluna is a strange personal name, some kind of a nickname perhaps, but we should remember Comcluna is actually the name of a townland in the parish of Moore in South Roscommon in Iwanya Territory. In view of the accomplishments of this Comcluna, all of history, etc., it's reasonable to wonder if there might not be a possible connection with the entry cited earlier that O'Flaherty inserted in the Four Masters volume in Trinity College about Manus, son of Sean O'Doogoin, a famous historian. Note, too, that these two entries are just a year apart, 1394 and 1395, respectively. It's at least arguable, and uh, this is something we, uh, Billy O'Sullivan and I discussed over 30 years ago, and we came to the, agree that the original entry may have read in its entirety as follows. Manus Comcluna, uh, in other words, Manus of Comcluin, uh, son of Sean O'Doogoin, uh, was slain by the folk of the King of England in Dublin, Munchery Hoxham. Uh, that's all I can do is just throw that out as a possibility. Now, moving on. We're indebted for our information, as we saw, as I mentioned earlier, for our, on the number of leaves or folios that were once in the Book of Iwana, say prior to the 17th century, to a note on folio 81 recto that refers to a member of the famous learned family of O'Higgian, whom there's a member here today. Uh, this is the Book of Mwilmwida O'Higgian, it says, and it has 368 leaves. 
The book's owner mentioned in that note is most probably the individual whose death is recorded by the four masters as Mwilmida O'Higgin Ija Aidan Ledon Jayag Mila Kerikhead Okto Hokt. He died, professor of poetry who died in 1488. The suggestion by Catherine Mulcrone that Mwilmida was the Archbishop of Chum who died around 1590 and of course was a brother of the renowned poet Taig Dahl hasn't gained much acceptance and I think it's unlikely. Now, according to the manuscripts old foliation, dating apparently from the early 17th century. The folios now run, uh, in the manuscript, now run from folio 24 to folio 216. That's what you'll see if you look at the uh, McAllister's facsimile editions, albeit with several lacunae. This means that about four centuries ago, the manuscript contained at least 216 folios, although we have no way of knowing how many folios now lost there may have been after 216. Now, Dualtoch, uh, moving on then to another, to the 17th century, Dualtoch Makirvishi, as some of you at least know, uh, was a member of a famous hereditary learned family from Lekin or Lacken on the shores of Killala Bay in West Sligo. He was based in Galway City from, um, from about the mid-1640s until the early 1650s, when the city fell to Cromwellian forces after a long siege. Early in 1645, he was engaged in transcribing genealogical material that he would later incorporate into his magnum opus, the Yarmour Ninganalach, the Great Book of Genealogies. The material in question related to an early population group associated mainly with East Ulster, the Shiel Eir, and the text was drawn directly from one particular manuscript, which Dualtoch refers to on numerous occasions as Yaur Iguagain. Uh, in fact, Makirvishi was the first to use this name for the manuscript, and in this he was followed, as we'll see, by a number of contemporaries and colleagues. In transcribing Shanhus Shilir, Dualtoch made an accurate copy of his exemplar, except for regularizing, in many cases, the orthography of the earlier work, or bringing it up to date. Um, a careful comparison of the copy of Shanachas Shilir with the original Iwani text shows that it is taken from folio 64 to 77 recto of, uh, according to the old foliation of UM. But we note that four of those folios are now missing from the book of Iwani, uh, folio 64, 71 and 75, 6. They are represented by pages 486 to 91, 529 to 33 and 547 to 56 in the Book of Genealogies. The existence of Duolto's careful transcript then renders the loss of those four folios less grievous than it might otherwise be. We can therefore say that in a sense we now possess not 161 folios of the Book of Iwania, but rather 165 virtually. In addition to the text of Shanahus Shilir, the Book of Iwania has no fewer than 18 citations of Lauri Guagoin. These are all drawn from the genealogical materials in Iwana, and in view of the fact that the, portion, the portions of the manuscript containing such material are particularly lacunose, it is perhaps no uh, surprise to find that only six of those citations can be matched to items that still survive in the, in the manuscript. Unlike the Shanachas Shilir, most of these citations are quite brief, so it's not possible to restore much of the original Iwana text. An interesting aspect of this work is that unlike the books of Lynch, by Lynch and O'Flaherty to be mentioned presently, uh, Makirvishi never cites a folio number from Iwana. One wonders if this means that the manuscript foliation had not yet been inserted in the 1640s. As I've mentioned already, there are several items now missing from the book of Iwana, and it's unlikely we'll ever be able to enumerate these with precision. 
There is, however, at least one source that gives us some indication, however general, of the manuscript's contents in the 17th century. That is before the loss of folios that leaves the volume in the unsatisfactory condition in which it is today. That source is the work now known as Ware's Index, uh, an outline table of contents of the Book of Iwana that's preserved among the papers of the 17th century Anglo-Irish historian and politician Sir James Ware, 1592-1666, for whom, as it happens, Dualtoch Makirvishi worked towards the very end of his life in 1665-66. The index, now preserved in British Library manuscript Lansdowne 418, was actually attributed by Macalester to Dualtoch Makirvishi, but it's most certainly not in Dualtoch's hand. Mulcrone made an equally groundless attribution to Ware, and it's not in his hand either. For one thing, it's legible, which is more than can be said for a lot of wares writing. Um, Billy O'Sullivan suggested that it may have been penned sometime around the year 1630, but what Ware's association with it may have been or how it came to be among his papers is far from clear. The index lists 27 items, most I've given them in your handout, most of, most of which can be readily identified in the Book of Iwana as it stands, but at least five are certainly missing from the manuscript. Two of them works of major significance, Yargawala Aidan, the so-called Book of Invasions, and the great Fenian text, Oglovnishanora. The loss of the latter is particularly regrettable given that no complete text of the Oglov survives. All of the five earliest manuscript copies are to a greater or lesser extent imperfect. Among the most interesting of the Book of Iwana's contents are various genealogical tracts, although many of them are now imperfect through loss of leaves. Due to time pressure, I can't go into detail about these here, and anyway, Ruri O'Higgins will be talking about them tomorrow morning. So there is, however, interesting evidence, I think, that some of the genealogies were penned in or near the year 1397. I'm especially familiar with the two genealogical tracts that occur on two folios of uh, UM and relate to the family of O'Cali, chieftains of Iwana. Edited, I edited them in the Journal of the Galway Archaeological Historical Society uh, for 2008 and 2010. The first of them is uh, acephalous and runs to a little over 3,000 words. It gives genealogical details of just under 600 bearers of the surname O'Cali, together with a further 76 individuals who share 24 different surnames. Now, during his time in Galway, Dualtoch seems to have worked quite closely with a scholarly priest from the city named John Lynch, Archdeacon of Toome. He and Makirvishi were probably close in age and may well have attended school together in Galway. Lynch was a prolific writer in Latin who appears to have depended a good deal on Dualtoch to assist him with material in Irish. He saw three of his works, Cambrensis Versus, Alitinologia Supplementum and P. Antististus Econ, uh, in print during his lifetime, between 1662 and 1669. Another work, De Prisolibus Hiberniae, Great History of the Irish Bishops, was published posthumously uh, in 1944, in fact. But his largest work, the Alatinologia proper, has yet to appear, although an edition of it uh, has been prepared. Lynch was expelled from Ireland after the Cromwellian takeover and spent the remainder of his life in exile in France, mainly in Brittany. During that time, he appears to have remained in contact with Dualtoch. Ten years after his celebrated polemic Cambrensis Versus was published at San Malo in 1662, he completed his history of the Irish bishops de Prisulibus. In Cambrensis Versus, Lynch has 18 citations of the Book of Iwania, probably based on research 
done prior to his banishment from Ireland in the early 1650s. Ten of the citations can be matched with the original manuscript, but in the case of six more, the relevant folio is now missing. And in two cases, the citation it doesn't mention a leaf or folio, and it's so general that it's impossible to identify. In De Presulibus, uh, there are six citations of Iwane. In one case, the folio is missing, and in two others, the folio isn't cited. And finally, among Dualtuk's and Lynch's scholarly acquaintances in Galway was a much younger man, Ruri O'Flaherty, or Roderick O'Flaherty, who appears to have been a protege of both men. Born in Moy Cullen in 1629, O'Flaherty ended his days near Spiddle, where he died in 1716. He wrote mainly in Latin and in English, and his best-known works are the book entitled Ogigia, or Gigia, published in 1685, and his choreographical description of West Orier Connaught, which did not appear in print until 1846. More recently, a wonderful collection of his letters, edited by Richard Sharp, was published by the Academy in 2013, I think it was. 13 or 14, I think. Um, in my Aksha article, I show that Ogigia has 10 citations of the Book of Iwana, all but one of which refer to folios that still survive in the manuscript. There's also a citation of Iwana in a note in O'Flaherty's hand that he inserted in a manuscript penned by Michal O'Cleary, now uh, RIA B42, uh, page 40. So as I conclude this talk, I realize that several other scholars deserve mention in relation to the Book of Iwana, Think of Edward O'Reilly, Kathleen Mulcrone, and R.A.S. McAllister, and various others. Um, uh, since time is against me, I've chosen uh, the end of the 17th century as a cut-off point in the published version. I may indulge myself and give a little bit more information. So, Shinnu will go forward. Gormir Mahathir.